theyeshiva.net. So tonight we begin a new shir, the Sefer Torah of the Balatanya of the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the founder of Chabad Chasidus, the student of the Magad of Mizrich, who was the successor of the Al Shemtiv, the founder of Chasidus. Be'ezer Hashem, each week we will select a mimer or part of a mimer, part of a discourse of the Balatanya connected to the parsha, to the Yom Tif, or a timely theme, uh, either from his Svarim Torah Eir and Lakuta Torah, which are his main Svarim on Chumash, Torah Eir is Bereshis and Shmois, Lakuta Torah is Vayikra Bamidvadvarim, or from other Svarim of his. Feel free, please, to ask questions. You can ask what's on your mind or on your heart. And if it's uh, if it's beyond our present discussion, I will uh, I will tell you so. Please feel free to express yourself and uh, share your comments or emotions or questions, etc., or objections. The Alter Rebbe, as you know, developed Hasidus in a very systematic and elaborate and intellectual fashion, hence the name of the movement that he created, Chabad, which is the acronym of Roshetavis, of Chachma Binadas, because of his emphasis that the ideas of Pnimius Hatera should be absorbed in one's mind in a very clear, crystallized, and profound fashion, because only that way can it truly be internalized to affect one's heart, to affect one's emotions, to affect one's condition in a very deep and permanent way, because it's not just something that's above and abstract and and, uh, heavenly and celestial, but together with that, also something that uh, is truly permeated within the human soul, within the human heart. This was the great emphasis of his Maimorim, of his discourses of Chachma bin Adas. Yet, it's well known in Chabad that within the Alter Rebbe's life, there were many periods. But generally, his Maimorim, his discourses are divided into two periods. Chabad is a Yiddish expression for it. Farpeterburg. Nachpeterburg, which means before Petersburg and after Petersburg. What does that mean? In the year Tovkov Nuntes, Balatanya was born 1745, and he passed away 1812. He was born Chai Elul Tovkov Hay, 1745, same day like the Balshamtiv, a few decades later. And he passed away, Chavdalatevis Tovkov Ayin Gimel, it was December 1812. In the middle of that time, in the year Tovkov Nontes, 1798, he was arrested. He was taken from his town in Belarus, which was then known as White Russia, Lyozhna, and was taken into prison. It was a very, very serious uh, accusation. It was even the thought of a death sentence, Rahman al-Islam. And this was as a result of a Messira he was informed upon as being somebody who was strategizing and planning to overthrow the Tsarist government 
which was, of course, the most heinous and worst accusation you can make towards a citizen. And uh, he was in prison and he suffered terribly. That year, Yutas Kislev, the 19th of Kislev, was his Chagagola when he was liberated. The Maimorim that he said before Petersburg were very different than this Chassidus he started to teach after Petersburg. After Petersburg means after he was liberated, after he came out of prison on Yutas Kislev, everything changed. The primary difference was that before Petersburg, his Maimorim were still more elaborate and longer than many of his colleagues of the other Hasidic masters and much more explained. But nonetheless, one can feel very, uh, very heavily the fire, the intense emotion and ecstasy of those Maimorim. And after Petersburg, the Alter Rebbe focused much more on elaboration on explanation, on Chachma Bina Das, where before Petersburg, focus was much more on heavy, heavy, loaded, atomic, spiritual explosions. After Petersburg, the systemized development is much more obvious. Torah Oyer is a compilation of many of his Maimarim. He didn't write them himself. These were discourses he said. They were transcribed, usually by his brother, or by some other Hasidim, usually by his brother, whose name was Rabbi Yehuda Leib the Maharil. I mention this because this Maimer is from before Petersburg. How do I know? I read it, so I know. When you read it, and you know the style of the Alter Rebbe, you familiarize, you right away can see which is from before Petersburg, which was from after. You'll see the, the language he uses is extremely emotional. The Alter Rebbe had an interesting combination, uh, it was a synthesis in his life that would seem very paradoxical in most people. On one hand, the Alter Rebbe was an unbelievably systemized thinker. He was an incredibly systematic person. In a way that reminds us of the Rambam. The Rakachover once said, the Rakachover Gaon, Rabbi Yosef Ross, and the Tzaflas Paneich once said that the Derech Halimud of the Alter Rebbe is the same like the Rambam. He writes even like the Rambam. His Hebrew, his Lashon Kodesh, is one of the classic impeccable, flawless style of the Rambam who we discussed a few weeks ago. If you learned the Alter Rebbe's Shulchan Aruch, you see what I mean about his systemized thought was incredible. His Chassidus also, the Tanya, all of his Svarim, the way he spoke, the way he thought was extremely organized, holistic, systemized. In fact, for example, in the Tanya, there's no revealed drama. There's no revealed ecstasy. It's extremely analytical, very thorough, very developed, extremely academic. What's called gruntik, extremely thorough intellectually. Together with that, Balter was what you would call today an extraordinary mystic. A mystic to the point that the levels of ecstasy and dveikus he experienced on an emotional level were also unparalleled. It was very common that in the middle of a mimer, Al-Tarebbe would start rolling on the ground from tremendous hislavos and inspiration to the point that he would roll and bump his head into the walls. And the walls were made of concrete or cement, so he would start bleeding. So they cushioned his base medrash with cushions of the walls, so when he bumps into the wall, he shouldn't hurt himself. He had a chayzer, somebody who would review his discourses and transcribe them. His name was Repinchus Reises. And he didn't want to miss any words, so he would roll after the Rebbe. He would roll after the Rebbe to pick up the words, and sometimes the Rebbe would take a turn, a sharp turn in his rolling, and he missed a few words, and his 
his writings, his hanachas, as they're called, were so precise that in some places he's missing a few words because he didn't pick up all those words. And sometimes in the middle of Kriyasatayda, the middle of Davin and Gretmanshinish, that happened very often. That integration between uh, a complete mastery on the level of Seichel, unbelievably philosophical, organized, systematic, and absolute uh, internalization of emotions to the point of of unparalleled ecstasy is one of the features which sets the Alter Rebbe apart in the history of Judaism as the man who uh, speaks to the mind like very few but who simultaneously speaks to the heart and to the soul and to the neshama like very few. It's what makes his system of learning so unique because it synthesizes the rational, the mystical the psychological, the emotional, the transcendental, the nigla, the halacha, the kabbalah, and the chassidus into a unified, comprehensive program for life. So, uh, Alter Rebbe once uh, visited Shklov. Shklov is in Lithuania, in Lita. It was one of the fortresses of the opposition to chassidus in its first generations. What was then called Misnagdim. You had Vilna, the home of the Vilna Gom, but you had Shklov was, was full of Lamdim, great Talmidei Chachamim, and there was strong opposition to Hasidus. Most of it based on ignorance, based on, you know, suspicions that proved to be uh, unfounded. And Alter Rebbe went to Shklov and he visited the base Medrash. And uh, he left a very deep impression on the Lamdim. I mean, his Gainas and Nigla was... Unparalleled, but he went up on the bimah and he gave a clap. He gave a clap on the bimah. And the Alter Rebbe used to speak even sichas and even ordinary conversations. He spoke with a nigan, with a melody. So he quoted this pasuk in Tehillim and he translated it into Yiddish. And the melody in which he communicated it has been preserved from generation to generation. Alter Rebbe went up to the bimah and he gave a clap and he said. With this nigga. Tamuru kitoi vavaya fazucht vetizen as der eberster is good. It's a posak in Tehillim. Tamuru kitoi vashem. So he said, Tamu, taste, fazucht, uru, and you'll see that Hashem, that God, that godliness is good. And dozens of younger light. And he left. He, <laughs> he went up in the bimmy, he left. And dozens of young light, what you would I guess call today mevakshim, dozens of, of serious, serious young men pursued him and became some of his greatest uh, disciples and pupils uh, in Hasidus. But Rebbe in Siri Liyajna created three yeshivas, three, he called them three chadarim, cheder rishon, cheder alev, cheder beis, cheder gimel. And he classified them according to the intellectual knowledge and capabilities of each one of the Hasidim that came. And each one of the Chadarim had different standards. But for example, in Cheder Aleph, to be a lot of the Cheder Aleph, you had to know Shas, Bavli, and Yerushalmi. You had to, by, by heart, you had to know Zoyar, you had to know Tikkuni Zoyar, you had to know the Kisve Harizal, and you had to know all the major works of Jewish philosophy. And then that's when you were allowed into these Chadarim. And the next Chadarim, the, the standards were a little lower. But the point in all of it was, very, was this... Um, it's extremely important, you know, today we have cholents. We, 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 we eat cholent on Shabbos afternoon, but we also eat cholent the whole week. Everything is a cholent. To appreciate really the Altarebbe's Torah, ideally, ideally, you have to know 
you have to know very, very well the whole, or a lot of the literature of Nigla, which means uh, Bavli and Yerushalmi and, and, and Medrash and Halacha, Shulchan Aruch, of course, but also in Pnei Yisatayra, there's the works of Zohar, there's the works of, of the Arizal, there's the works of the Ramak, and then there's the works of Jewish philosophy, of the Rambam, of Reb Sadiagon, of the Ralbag, of uh, Reb Yosef Olbo, of the Abar Benel, of Reb Yehuda Halevi, of Reb Shloime Ibn Gabiro, these are some of the great Jewish philosophers, and Alter Rebbe came after it all, after it all, and only when you can, um, like you can appreciate that full spectrum can you really appreciate his, his contribution of trying to synthesize all of these various streams of Torah, showing its unity and the full picture of Yiddishkeit in an expression that he has, uses often, from the highest to the lowest in the universe, from the highest to the lowest in the human condition, and from the highest to the lowest in all of the worlds. So Chassidus Chabad is really, it's a lifelong journey. I'm, I'm extremely uh, uh, moved to start the shir this week because uh, I just had uh, the first time, uh, rear, rear privilege, just returning from the oil of the Alter Rebbe in Hadich, in the Ukraine, where I, where I led a group of around uh, 50 or 60 uh, people to uh, Mezhebuzh and Anapoli and uh, Bardichev and Hadich and Yezhen over a five-day uh, spiritual marathon. It was really incredible. We have two of the survivors here, Tzvi and Rabbi Yosef Hillel, uh, who survived and maybe even thrived. And uh, it was really... Uh, you know, I had the schus of teaching. I have the schus of teaching the Torah of the Alter Rebbe for many, many years now. Tanya, Torah Er, Torah, many other Maimorim over many years, and uh, going to his uh, tzion in in Hadich, which is in itself an incredible experience. You know, all the stories that I grew up with and I read and I heard come to life. But beyond that, the energy, some of the energy that I experienced there, really was. Profoundly, profoundly moving, even beyond what of what what, could I, what I could express. So I hope and I pray that uh, I and we can become channels to really taste a little bit of this tamuru kitoy havaya fazucht v'tezen as the is good, even as uh, we live uh, two centuries later in a very different milieu, in a very different environment. Somehow Brooklyn is not Hadich and uh, Flatbush is not Lyajna, but, uh, but, uh, but the Toiv Hashem is, exists in Brooklyn as it exists in the United States, just as it existed in Ukraine and Belarus 200 years ago. So, after these words of introduction, let's begin this Maimer for this week, Parsha's Boy. It's, it's two Maimerim and Parsha's Boy, in Torah Ur, there's many others, but in this Sefer. Right, I think this too. And uh, this is the second one. It's on the end of the parsha. And uh, I will begin learning inside. You all have copies. Again, if you have questions, please feel free to ask. So this is actually a very interesting uh, point of the Torah. We often don't realize its significance. Klal Yisrael left Mitzrayim. Quite an important event. And uh, 
The Pasuk says in Parshas Boy, the end of Perikid Beis, by he betzim ayay mazel, hoitzi Hashem has been a son merits Mitzrayim al-tziv oisam. They come out of Mitzrayim on the 15th day of Nisan on Pesach. What happens next? Ma'yidabra Hashem al-Moyesh Shalem, Hashem speaks to Moshe, and this is the first communication of Hashem to Moshe outside of Egypt. So it's a gewaldika moment, because it's the first, there was of course much communication before, in that preparation to the Gula, but this is the first communication post-redemption, post-Gula. What's Hashem's first message to Moshe? It's basically sanctified to me every male firstborn, both of a human being, male firstborn is holy, the Pcher, as well as it belongs to me, and hence there's a process of Pidyon, redemption. That's the first communication of Hashem to Moshe post-Exodus of Egypt. The next Pesach says, Moshe speaks to the nation. I'm giving an introduction. Moshe speaks to the nation. We would expect that he would repeat what Hashem told him. He does not. He doesn't say, Kaddish Hashem kol That's not what he says. He actually has a different message. He says, Remember this day, when Hashem brings you to Eretz Yisrael, serve him, eat matzahs for seven days, don't eat chametz, tell it to your children, a whole new drasha, that Hashem never told him. Hashem told him, Kaddish Likobcher, one Pesach, and he goes into a whole sermon about remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, celebrating Pesach, staying away from Chometz. Afterwards, he continues, when Hashem brings you to Eretz Yisrael, then, Va'avarta kol peter rechem Hashem, kol peter shegebeim ha'sheel ha'sharem Hashem, kol peter chamertiv devesev, kol peter adem v'nechativ now he gives over the mitzvah of redeeming the oldest. This is an interesting observation Dr. Rebbe is going to make. Now, in his presentation, he of course mentions also the mitzvah of tefillin. And he says, you come to Yisrael, you'll tell your children about Pesach, about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim should be a sign on your arm and a memory between your eyes, which is tefillin. And then he continues, and these are the words that the Mimer opens up with. Laman, in order that that the Torah of Hashem shall be in your mouth, because with a strong arm, Hashem took you out of Egypt. At first glance, it seems difficult to understand what's the connection between the Torah being in your mouth and the fact that he took you out of Mitzrayim with a strong hand to mention them in association. In other words, all of Yiddishkeit is based on Yitzhak Mitzrayim. You could say about every mitzvah. You're doing the mitzvah because he took you out of Mitzrayim. But the fact that he mentions it here specifically the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth. Key, why should it be in your mouth? Because He took you out from Mitzrayim with a strong arm. What's the connection? Because He took you out of Mitzrayim with a strong arm, therefore the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth. This association seems strange. To understand this, let us understand the whole theme of Torah. What theme of Torah? Because the Pasuk says, Hashem 
This happens numerous times throughout the Chumash. Hashem says one thing, and Moshe is communicating something else, just like we have in Amparsha's boy. Hashem said, Kaddish li When Moshe begins speaking, Vayoymer Moshe Lam, as I said, he goes into a whole other subject. Zachar Yaseyem Hazer Shetasmim Mitzrayim, Lamanti Yeteris Hashem Beficha. At the end, he also mentions the concept of Kiddush B'chor. To understand this, let us preface, Be your mitzvahs v'agisah b'yoymah v'layla. The explanation on the mitzvah of that pasuk that's stated in Yahushua. V'agisah b'yoymah v'layla, you should toil in the study of Torah day and night. V'av sh'yesh kamadinim sh'yin enayagin b'zeh azman. V'anuhugemenim shavu l'chol nefesh. There are numerous laws of Yiddishkeit that are not contemporary. They don't apply in today's day. Mitzvahs which are tluyas bezman shebeisamikdash, etc. And even those, v'anuhugim, even those that are constantly relevant, enam shavu l'chol nefesh, are not always for everybody. You have the mitzvahs of koyanim, you have the mitzvahs of the leviyim, you have the mitzvahs of koyan godli, you have the mitzvahs of a melachim, etc. When it comes to Torah, we say, there's absolutely no boundaries, no limitations. It doesn't depend on the Zman of Beis HaMikdash, it doesn't depend on Zman HaGolos. This is something that's always applicable in all Zmanim. And every Jew, we say, What's the significance of this? Amnam, in order to understand this, so he asked three questions, right? Question number one was, what's the unique association between Kibiyot Chazok, Yitzhak Hashem and Mitzrayim, and that's why the Torah should be in your mouth. Question number two, Hashem says one thing in the communication, let's make fiber, Hashem says one thing in the communication is of a different nature. What Hashem tells Moshe is not what Moshe says over. And question three is, what's the uniqueness of Hagisah, Boyoimam, Valayla, which has no limitations? It's applicable to every person at every time. And day and night. Amnam. This question is, of course, it doesn't say that in any other mitzvah. For example, tzedakah. A poor person comes to you, you give tzedakah. When it comes to Torah, if I have a minute, there's an obligation to learn Torah. The Pesach says clearly, theoretically 24 hours a day, of course. It's theoretically because we sleep and we eat and we drink and some of us have to support our families and so forth. But the fact that the, and the Pasuk, the Torah knows that, as the Gemara discusses in Menachis at length, the different, and in Hilchus Talmud Torah, including Hilchus Talmud Torah of the Balatanya at length, the Shurim of Talmud Torah of Kviyasitim Torah. But we see here the concept, the Torah is something that's essentially 24 hours a day. <laughs> There's no moment without Torah. And even somebody doesn't do it, but by day and by night, there's a chiv of some learning of Torah during the day and during the night. What's the uniqueness of this concept? To understand this, let's introduce that there are two types of loves, two types of avas. And when he says two types of avas, he always refers to ava between the Jew and God. Because that's what Talter Rebbe's life revolved around. The love between a Jew and God. However, like everything in Hasidus, when he says there are two types of love, that means this is applied to all relationships. In all, you will be able to immediately notice. And I say this because sometimes to appreciate the concepts that he just says, it's easier when you understand it in human relationships. And then it's easier to apply 
to spiritual relation, to our spiritual relationship with God. So there's, he's making a cloud. He has beis minei avas. There's two types of avas in the world. There's an avi he's going to define as avakamayim, and an avi he's going to define as avakaish. A fire-like love and a water-like love. What's the difference? Yesh ava shenim shalalamayim. There's a love that can be compared to water. In what sense? Kedeksiv, the Pasuk says in Shashirimayim rabim layuchlu lechabes hasa'ava. Multitudes of waters, tremendous amounts of waters, cannot extinguish the love. The Pasuk says, Mayim rabim layuchlu lechabes hasa'ava. Nohoris loyushtefuah. So the Alter Rebbe explains, We're talking about an Ava that is like a flowing river, or a flowing spring that always goes. There's no change. But there's also no Tosvis. Doesn't add. Doesn't get decreased. Doesn't get increased. Like yesterday, like the day before yesterday's, paraphrasing here, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu's words, Kitmol Shilshoim Kimeyoske, not like yesterday, like the day before, like it was in the past, it still is. There's a stability to the love, there's a consistency to the love. And that's its power, that's its beauty, that's its majesty, that's its depth. You can rely on it. It's like Mayim. Mayim Rabbim Layuchlu No force can extinguish it. It's reliable, it's consistent. It's constant. It's a love that you can, you can rely on. That's one type of love. There's a love that's comparable to fire. The Rishafim are the glow of coals. Rishafeha. The fire, the glow, the coal-like glow of the soul is Rishveyesh. Is a fiery glow. Unlike water, fire has a very different property. Fire is never stable. Fire is never consistent. This is a type of love. It's always swaying. Ratsa is in a yearning upwards and Shuvah is in a returning downwards. Water you could relax. I mean, not always, sometimes there's a, unfortunately a tsunami, a typhoon, but water you could place in a cup, you could relax it. Or there could be a silently, smoothly flowing river, or it's even gathered in one place, what's called ashboyrin in halach, or zeichel in flowing. But Aish could never relax. Fire is always dancing, it's always swaying. Tell a fire, relax, relax, you're fine. There's no such a thing by fire. Misnaneya tomid berotze veshuv. You always need to find aids to sustain the fire. It's not sustainable. You need the wick. You need the wood. You need the oil. You need the fuel to sustain the fire. And the fire is always rising upwards. It's always almost like trying to kiss the heavens. Trying to depart from the wick. It looks like you want to hold down the fire. You have to be oiches the fire. You have to sustain the fire. So it comes back, but it's dancing upward again. That's the dance of the flame. This is a marshal for two types of love. There's the love of water, which has that pattern of consistency, of stability, and there's the love of fire. And he's going to explain. 
ובייז אבס אלו נמשכויס מבייז דייז שבאדם. These two types of love come from two deus, two levels of consciousness in the human experience. In other words, there is one day, there is one consciousness I have that will produce one love, avakamayim, and there is another consciousness I have that will produce another love, which is avakayesh, which is a fiery love. What's the difference? He makes it, the Pasek says in Parshish Re'ei, Bonim atem l'ashem alekechem. Children you are to Hashem your God. Shehu yizbarech oyev eisonu ka'avez b'noi. Hashem loves us like a father loves his child. Umemeilin nimshech l'das oisai. Kamayim haponim l'ponim. As a result of that, automatically, we are drawn to know Him. As the Pasuk says, that the face that you show to the water, the water will show back to you. So when you know that somebody loves you, and that love is unconditional, and that love could never be challenged, automatically, if you really become aware of that, there is a reciprocity of that love. Because the face I show to the water is the water that the face shows back to me. If I display to you tremendous, powerful affection, automatically that is the emotion that you will reciprocate to me. And Alter Rebbe Kvetches, why does the Pasuk say, Kamayim Aponim Laponim? I mean, you could also use the example of a mirror, for example, right? We have at the end of Shmois, Maris Hatsoivis. You could use the same example from a mirror. The face you show the mirror is the face that the mirror shows back to you naturally. It reflects your own face back to you. But Troyma Melech uses the term Kamayim. So he gives a deal Because the comparison to water, Kamayim Aponim Laponim Kain Leva Adam Aladim, is in two ways. Number one, that the love is like water, it's like the consistent flow of water that never changes. It's shave. It's always identical. Belishum shinui. So the comparison to water is in two ways. Number one, it's consistent. It's perpetual. And number two, it reflects back to you what you reflect to it. And this is the uniqueness of this type of love. Huh? Shahoylech bitmidus shave belishum shinui. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shehoilich, yeah. So this is the first love, that he loves you as a father loves a child, or as a mother loves a child. But it doesn't change. As he says, The love of a father towards his child will never, ever change. A wholesome, functional authentic father, that love is not dependent on anything. One does not say, you know, my child is really a, quite a troublemaker. So I'm going to let him see if he could get his act together within the next two years. If he gets his act together within the next two years, I keep him. And if not, I give him up. It doesn't work that way with children. Just doesn't work that way. It's lo yishtana lo elam. This is it. This is your child, and the love is unconditional. And there's nothing that the child can do. Hopefully, they won't test you that much. 
But theoretically, there's nothing the child can do that will say, ah, now the love is gone. Again, I'm talking about a healthy parent, a wholesome parent, a functional parent. Today's world, we have to emphasize that. But a father who's in touch with what it means to be a father, a child who's in touch with what it is to be a child, it's a love that's, that's non-negotiable. It's, it's unconditional. And this is the first concept of Abbas Hashem. That a Jew ought to recognize that you are loved by Hashem without any conditions. There's nothing you can do to damage that love. It's Kamayim. It's an Ava Kamayim. It always flows. It never dries up. You say, but I made so many mistakes in my life. And I will make mistakes. And I'm presently making a mistake. Fine. As long as it doesn't lead you to the statement of I am a mistake. I am so damaged that I'm unlovable. That's there's no room for that. That's, that's, that's the mistake. We spoke a few weeks ago. The greatest mistake is when you think you're a mistake, right? The greatest mistake is you think that there's nothing to love. Hashem has another opinion of you. It's avas ha'av shalbnoi lo yishtana la'olam. Those are critical words. It will never ever change. You could be tall, you can be short, you can be in a great place and you can be in a difficult place. You could be living a wonderful, accomplished, productive, holy life, and unfortunately you could be in another place. Sometimes you could be in the abyss. And, and, and we have to grow, and we have to correct, and we have to mend. But it doesn't ever change that first non-negotiable, unconditional love that Hashem has to you. And when you realize that, from there you can develop a relationship to Him. Once you realize that from there, will automatically be a relationship. Because if you know that somebody loves you unconditionally, there's no way you are apathetic to that. There's no way. You may say, I don't care, but usually apathy comes from the fact that we don't feel we have unconditional value. They once asked a Jew, what's the difference between apathy and ignorance? So he said, I don't know and I don't care. All apathy, apathy is like it's a form of years. They say from the Helech Yerushina that when the Gemara Bab Metziah discusses Machleks of Vayaviravah, Yiyush Shaloy Midas. So the Yerushina said, Yiyush is Shaloy Midas. Whenever you're in a state of Yiyush, it's because you don't have Das. Because you're unaware. You're, not, you're unaware. You're not cognizant. So you can afford, you can allow yourself to be in Yiyush. That's why he says, both Avas depends on Deyas. There has to be Deya. Right? It means Deya Havdolim Inayin. When there's Das... When you know that you're loved unconditionally at every single moment of your life. And no matter where you are and who you are and how you are, when it is, where it is. And whatever anybody told you that day, from your wife to your boss, to your children, to your mother, to your father, to your mother-in-law, whoever it is. That any comment you made or any experience you had, but you're really aware that Hashem has a love to you that lo yishtana la'olam. That's the first yisoid. Naturally you respond. To that you respond. If you know that I love you un- mamish unconditionally. And nothing you tell me will change that love. Nothing you reveal to me will weaken that love. You know, we, it's hard for us to communicate honestly with people. Why? Because... What's go- what are you going to think of me if I tell you all my Meshagasin, you know? I tell you 20% of my Meshagasin and you already think I'm, uh, I lost it. If I tell you 100% of my Meshagasin. But imagine you have a relationship with somebody that you know that there's nothing you can say that will diminish their love to you, even in the slightest. So you know what type of relationship you can have with that person. Imagine you have in your life somebody 
that there's nothing you can say and share with them that will diminish their love even a bit. What type of relationship would you have? Even you're waking up. <laughs> so that's the, that's the first side here. The first, the first, the first Yisoyed, let's use an English word, I think it will be better. The first paradigm shift in our mind is to really cultivate that, that emotion, that awareness on a daily basis. Right? Okay. They say in the name of one of the great tzaddikim, uh, the Oyev Yisrael, the Apterov. You heard of the Helika Apterov, Rabbi Avram Yeshua Heshlov, Apter. I was by the scene of the Baal Shem Tev in Mezhebush, so he's Mamisha a few feet away from the Helika Baal Shem Tev in Mezhebush. The Oyev Yisrael, he's, his, the name of his Sefer on Chumash is Oyev Yisrael, which was his name because his whole life was one shtick Avis Yisrael. So they quote from the Oyev Yisrael, he said, as ich will kämen nicht lieb haben, at zadig gamor, as so wie der Ave, wo der Eberste hat lieb harasche gamor. Which means throughout my entire life, I'll never ever love the greatest tzaddik in the world with the same intense love that God loves the so-called greatest Russia in the world. Because even my love to the greatest tzaddik ultimately is not that pure, un- I'm explaining, is not that pure unconditional love. This was what Apter was trying to say. What makes him a Rasha Gomer, in other words, is his behavior is lacking, but the love that Hashem has is there. The Mezritcha Magid, who we also had the schus to be at a scene in Anipal, he once said that Halavai. We should kiss, kiss the Sefer Torah with the love that my teacher, my Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tev, used to kiss the Yiddish Kindelach, you know, the Baal Shem Tev, when he was young, before he was revealed, he was a Bahelfer for a Malamed. A Bahelfer mean, today we would call him a bus driver. He would escort the children from, house, from the house to the Cheder, and from the Cheder back to the house. And on the way, he would teach them brachas, he would tell them stories, and he would display his love to them. And the Maggit said, "Ah, the love that the Baal Shem Tev gave those children, Halavai were able to have that love to a Sefer Torah, the love to Sefer Torah." So this is all a reflection of this first Ava Kamayim that never changes. Now let's go to the second level, Ava Keish. There's another day, another consciousness, Shemakir Boyer. Shemakir Boira, a day that recognizes its creator. What does it mean it recognizes its creator? That Hashem let go. He suspended all of the legions of heaven and all of the creatures and legions of the highest, highest levels of heaven. Shem wanted to have a home. He wanted to dwell where in the Tachtoinim, in the lowest elements of reality. Hashem wanted, and he caused his infinite seichel, his infinite mind, to become restricted, to become condensed, to become contracted within physical boundaries, within physical borders. And 
And this Torah that he summed, this Torah that he gave us, all of Torah, all of Halacha, addresses material things, physical things. All Halacha revolves around physical things, whether it's Trumas and Maestras, from the earth, from agriculture, or Tefillin from the hide of animals, or Tzitzis from the wool, or uh, the Halachas of Nezikin, or Kachim, whatever it may be, it all revolves around physical items, physical realities. The same is true with the stories in Chumash and Tanakh. So the Alter Rebbe says, All of this comes because of His love to us that is unnatural. Because love causes you to break the rules, to break the letter of the law. He's referring here to a Medrash in Parshas Vayeder. He says, Ava mekalkelis asashura, just like Sina mekalkelis asashura. Love and hate cause you to do things that you would ordinarily, rationally not do. Vayashkim Avram as chamayroi, even though he had many servants because of his love. And in contrast, Bilam also saddled his donkey, even though he had many servants because of his hate. Ava mekalkelis asashura, it makes you go beyond the letter of the law, the same as Yisina. He gives the example of Yosef. But yes, Yosef is Merkafta. He himself went to greet Yaakov. Why? Ava Mikalkelis is Ashura. And Pari and Parshas B'Shalach. By Yeser is Rihba. He himself went to pursue the Jewish people. Kusina Mikalkelis is Ashura. Zogdal Tirebbe. Vahakoil Meritsoina Yisborech. This is all because of his will. That he wanted to be with us, because his wisdom is a reflection of this Ratzin. What is the Alter Rebbe telling us here? These words are, are brief and concise and somewhat cryptic, so let me try to explain. The greatest pillar of creation. Says the Alter Rebbe is one Nekuda. What's the Nekuda? The Nekuda is that Hashem is Ein Soif, is infinite. Infinite literally means infinite. It pervades every space, it pervades every moment, it pervades every reality. Before creation there was no other reality. This was the only reality. In order to create an existence like we know it, an existence of humanity, of civilization, which has an autonomous will and an autonomous life and an autonomous being, there had to be what Kabbalah always calls the tzimtzum. He had to withdraw, so to speak, his infinite light, suspend it, and create a vacuum, devoid of his infinity, in which our identity can emerge as independent beings. Because infinity excludes every other reality. You cannot sit in the chair that I'm sitting in because I'm occupying its space. Thank God I only occupy the space of one chair. What if something occupies infinite space? What if something is endless and limitless? It excludes every conceivable reality. There's no reality outside of it. So the Arizal begins, that before the world was created, the presence of Hashem filled every conceivable space. And when I mean space, I don't only mean physical space. 
physical space, spiritual space, any concept outside of Hashem was inconceivable because He was the only reality. There's no other reality. So how can there be room for anything outside of Him? There can't. So what Hashem did was He created a tzimtzum. Tzimtzum was, He so to speak denied His infinity. He denied His very presence, His very infinity to create room for something else. And in this emptiness, Worlds emerged, all of the worlds, from the highest to the lowest. Including the human being who has autonomy, who has our own mind, who has, we have our own ego. And we don't feel as part of him. If there would have not been a tzimtzum, so then there would be no reality outside of the Ein Saif. Since there was a tzimtzum, so there can be a reality that appears, at least experiences itself, as different than him, as separate from him. I am I, and you are you, and that is what he wanted. Why did he want this? Because he wanted a he wanted a relationship with you. He wanted a relationship with something that experiences itself as a separate, independent being. Nisava Kadish Baruch this is what he's saying, he wants to have a home in the lowest places. So what's this what's this second day? Alter Rebbe has a, a in Tanya in Perik Memvo in uh, in uh, where's Avadekasabasa Perik Memtes, right? In Perik Memtes, in Tanya Perik Memtes, the Alter Rebbe says something uh, quite intense in Gemara, but he, he uses a story of Gemara to explain this concept. In Gemara, there's a story, Masechta Baba Metziah, Daf Peidalet, that Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yosi, and Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, two of the great sages, this is what the Gemara says, were extremely obese. And Hahu uh, Matrunissa, a non-Jewish princess, approached them and told them that Beneichem Einem Shalachem, your children are not yours. They're adopted kids. They're not yours. Why? Her rationale was, both of you are so obese, there's no way, there's no way that you're capable of a physical relationship and therefore there's no way you're capable of having children. These must be children from another father. So they spoke to her. They responded to her. And what did they tell her at the end? Ava Love shrinks the flesh. So even though naturally we're so obese, but as a result of our Ava, our flesh shrinks, and hence we are capable of a relationship. So the Mepharshim and Gemara, from the Maharal all the way down, naturally get intensely involved, what the point of this Gemara is, etc. In Tanya, Perek Memtes, Dalte Rebbe, uses this as a metaphor for all of creation. Avadei Chekes HaSabosar is exactly what happened to Hashem. God is infinite, He's ain't Saif. But because of His Ava, because of his love that he wanted you and he wanted a relationship with you so his flesh, his infinity shrinks because of his avid to you so there needs to be room for you outside of him so he so to speak compressed, he suppressed he limits his infinite expression in which creation can emerge as a separate identity, as a separate entity and there can be a relationship and this is the greatest chiddush of creation to such an act of self, of self-suspension, of self-forgetfulness, 
where the Ava doichekes esabasur, or the words he uses here is Ava mekalkeles esashur. And in creation itself, he could have wanted the highest worlds, which are much more open to infinity. But he wanted, he says, So what, what, where is this reflected? It's reflected in Torah. What's Torah? Torah is God's wisdom. But God's wisdom essentially is incomprehensible because it's just like Him. It's infinite. How can I wrap my brain around Hashem? I can't. I can't wrap my brain around His wisdom either. But here again was because of His Ava, He wanted to give us His wisdom so He compressed His infinite wisdom within terminology and within phraseology, and within concepts that are applicable to the human mind. And that's all the tayag mitzvahs ha-tayra in Chumash, and all the halachas, and reasoning of tayag mitzvahs ha-tayra, in the Midrashim, and in the Gemara, and in the Mishnayis, and in the Halacha, and in all the stories in Chumash, and Torah Nevi'im, and Suvim, and in all aspects of Torah, which is all relatable to the human condition. So I'm learning a story in Chumash, I'm learning a halacha in Gemara. I'm learning a sif in Shulchan Aruch. This is whose wisdom? It's God's wisdom. How do I understand it? How do I understand? How do I wrap my brain around it? This is what Ava Mekalkelis Asashuri is. He took this infinite wisdom and he suppressed it. Not suppressed it. He condensed it. He restricted it. He channeled it into very, very physical concrete modalities that the human mind should be able to wrap its brain around it, should be able to comprehend it. This is because of an intense love, to the point that the love caused them to go completely on a limb for the human being, at all, to create from infinity, to create finiteness. And he continues, how does he do this? Because he is so exalted, infinitely exalted, he has the ability also to enclose himself in the most finite and restricted fashion. You know, there's two types of teachers. There's a teacher when he teaches, you say, ah, he's brilliant. And everybody leaves the shir and they say, he's brilliant. But what did he say? I don't know. I don't know, but I know he's brilliant. Unbelievable. He knows shots backwards and forwards. He knows every toys was born. What did he say? I don't know, but I know I have a migraine headache after an hour and a half. Could you say anything? No, but he's a gone And then you have another teacher that a six-year-old child understood. Not because he's a smaller genius, because he's a greater genius. <laughs> so therefore he can bring it down. There's a level of exaltedness that has to remain above. And then there's even higher you can come down. Three thousand metaphors of the Mizritcha Magid and the Balatanya explain in there. Why three thousand metaphors? You give a Shia, you give one marshal, two mashalim, three mashalim, three thousand mashalim. Must have been a long Shia. The Pshat is, the market says as follows, Shleim HaMelech was brilliant. He said an idea, no one understood what he said. 
So he gave a marshal to explain the nimshal. But the marshal was also too abstract. So he gave a second marshal to explain marshal number one. But then he had to give marshal number three to explain marshal number two. And it was still too abstract. And he managed to get to marshal 2,999 to explain marshal 2,998. And it was still too abstract. Finally, when he gave marshal 3,000, everyone chapped it. They chapped marshal 3,000. So they chapped marshal 2,999, 2,998, 2,997. Marshal 2, Marshal 1, and then, ah, I got it. But this was the Chiddush of Shleim HaMelech. He was so brilliant that he can bring it down 3,000 madregas lower than him. So the Alter Rebbe says, because of Hashem's infinity, infinity includes the capacity to be finite. Infinity includes the capacity to create space. Because of its bleak fullness. so therefore, v'zoysa toyda asher sum, that Torah is a paradox. On one hand, it's complete infinity. On the other hand, it's complete finiteness. A pasuk chumash, a gadol shabegdolim could learn, a katan shabegtanim could learn. Both understand something, and both don't understand it all. They could learn it again and again and again. V'zau taimei mitzvus shahu ritzoni is baruch loy nizgalam ki bilti efsherlas efsherlas sigmat bias meshechenu. This is why it says that the time may mitzvah, the full reasoning of the mitzvah, which he explains here as his will, was not revealed because it's impossible to comprehend it till Mashiach comes. Which means, mitzvahs have reasons, and we can explain the reasons. But there's a certain component of every mitzvah that is non... It's, it's inexplicable. Why? Because the mitzvah is a finite thing. It says in Shulchan Aruch, do this and this. Put on tzitzis, put on tefillin, put on a mezuzah. We know what to do, we know how to do it, we know the significance, we know the halachas. Whatever mitzvah, tayag mitzvah it is. From bringing a carbon, to giving staka, to putting on tefillin, to lighting a candle, etc. But the mitzvah, the finite experience of the mitzvah is an expression of his infinite self. That was condensed, that was restricted, that was mitzumtzum. That was channeled through a physical vessel. So there's something in the mitzvah that is so large that the brain can't comprehend it, not because of what's called koitzer amasik, but because oimekamusik. Not because one is a fool, even the smartest person in the world, the wisest person in the world. There's a depth that comes from his will, and the will is infinite, and this will is I wanted you, I want a relationship with you. And because I want a relationship with you, but I am infinite, so I have to, so to speak, become finite. And Hashem assumes a finite identity. What do we mean He assumes a finite identity? Torah. Torah is His wisdom, but it's wisdom that I can relate to on some level. Mitzvah is His will. It's His will, but I can relate to it. I know what to do. I know how to do it. I get it. I understand some aspects of it. But since it's infinity becoming finite, I never really fathom it. I never really capture it. I never really grasp it. Because it's a result of his ratzon. To be one with you, to be one with me, to be one with us. But there's no us. So this ratzon causes him to create a tzimtzum in himself. And so to speak, assume a finite identity. Which allows a relationship with somebody outside of him. And as a result of that, there could be a connection. And this means that this relationship caused him to do something that 
denies his very being which is infinite. The Ratzon. The Ratzon have a relationship. The Ratzon have a yachas. So, this is the Pshat. It says in Mishli, in Eshaz Chayil, Noida basharim bailo v'goymer b'shiftayim zikne yaretz. So the Alter Rebbe teaches, Mashiachoy l'm lahasig asakadosh baruch hu b'shiftayim zikne yaretz. Noida basharim bailo, he teaches based on a zoyar. Her husband is known. How can one know God? B'shiftayim zikne yaretz. Pidush, B'shvil shiftay hu eirad etayvish tal shalusayim zikne aretz pirush ha-chachma sheba aretz t'zokin aynu zeshekana chachma When does her husband become known b'shiftay when he sits down im zikne aretz with the elders of the land so he teaches azoy noy de basharim bayla weir is there a way we one can comprehend Hashem b'shiftay when you sit down you lower yourself when you're standing you're erect Shifta when he lowers himself, that when he evolves, the Gemara says, Zokin Eretz with the Chachma of Eretz. In other words, Hashem condenses, compresses, channels his infinite wisdom. With Zikne Eretz, it becomes an earthly Chachma. I can learn Torah, I can grasp Torah, I can understand Torah. There's more and there's more and there's more, but it allows itself. For me to grasp, this is what allows the noida basha'arim baila. So now he concludes, what's the second love? This is what a person should take to his heart. So that he will be inspired with a tremendous love. That a person should respond in kind that his exclusive rotsin in the world, beyond everything else, his real consideration, his real only desire in the world is one rotsin to serve, to be connected to his creator. And when that's where your will is, automatically it affects your mind as well. Your seichel as well. Because seichel follows rotsin. As the Gemara speaks about shaykha, the Amari boy toin hachi. It's referring it to the Gemara in Ksuvus. Dav Kufhei, where the Gemara talks about the concept of shaykha, which means shuhuchad, shaykha trulchad. The Gemara tells me the story of Bishmaber Abyasi, that he had an aris, he had somebody who who was his sharecropper who worked in his field, and he had a minig that every Friday he used to deliver a basket of fruits to the owner of the field, to who? To Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi. One day he brings Rabbi Shmuel the basket of his field on Thursday. He says, what happened? Why on Thursday? And he says, I have a such tickled in Torah. So I thought, I'm anyway coming to you for a din Let me already bring the basket a day earlier. And... He wouldn't accept the baskets from him, and he said, I'm puzzled to be the dying in your din Torah. Why? Because you're bringing the fruits earlier to me, and instead he chose other dayanim to do the din Torah for this man. And then the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmuel realized 
that throughout the day he kept on thinking, the Alter Rebbe quotes her, Iboi Toyin Hachi, Iboi Toyin Hachi. If he wants, he could say this time, if he wants, he could say this time to defend himself. He found his mind hoping and wishing that he finds the right statements in court in order to validate himself, in order to be victorious. So he said, Madach I, who didn't take Shoichad, but was offered Shoichad, was offered some favoritism of this man, I'm already gravitating to him, certainly those who take Shoichad. In other words, it's not the idea that when you take Shoichad, you intentionally become biased and you intentionally distort the truth. No! As a result of becoming biased, of taking Shoichad, your mind automatically gravitates in the direction of that person without you being aware that you're distorted. What I want, I will justify. And I don't realize that I'm justifying and I'm rationalizing it. That's the nature of the human being. Our seichel is affected by our ratzen. And when you give me shaykhad, my ratzen is towards you. I like you. You're doing me a favor. I need you. I appreciate you. Automatically, I think in a certain direction. And I don't retain that objectivity. I mean, it's very important in life because we often don't realize how non-objective we are. When my ratzen is somewhere, my seichel is somewhere. He's using this as an example that the same is true also in a positive sense. When a person's ratzen is somewhere, so then it affects them completely. It affects them completely. So my ratzen is going to be one ratzen. So then my seichel is also there. So he says, because Rabbi Shmuel's Ratzin was going there, so the Seichel complimented it. The Seichel agreed. Hashem wants a Dira Betachtainim, which is unnatural. Why would the Ein Saif want to live in limits? Why would the Ein Saif want a Dira Betachtainim in the most limited space, in the most confined environment? I mean, imagine you have the ability, imagine you have the ability, like some of you dream, to live in a mansion on the beach, and your estate extends. I was recently in an estate, 600 acres. <laughs> 600 acres. Almost like your homes here in Flatbush. A si- what does the guy do with 600 acres? But he doesn't want to sell it, huh? Yeah, yeah, you have 600 homes per acre. So he has chickens. It was in, in Morristown. He has chickens. In New Jersey, he has chickens and he has goats. And there's still hundreds of acres. So now you, such a person comes cho- and chooses that instead I'm going to live yeah, in a shoebox in Borough Park. <laughs> I'm going to live in a shoebox and live in a garage. What are you doing? And this is all relative because 600 acres is not believable. It's not infinite. Stalter Rebbe here is inspired. He says, what's up shot? You have the Ein Saif, and he wants a dira betachtoinim. Where does he want to live? Nisava Kadesh Baruch, he created the world. Where does he want to live? Where does he want to be his dwelling place? My heart, your heart, your mind, your mind, your life, your environment, your bedroom, your home, your business. And as a result of that, he has to restrict himself. He has to confine himself within limited reality so that we should be able to create a home for him. Because how can we create a home for Ein Saif? So he gives us the Torah 
through which he, in which he puts himself into limited terminology. And he gives us the mitzvahs through which he defines himself within limited terminology. So that way, limited people in their limited hearts can create a home for the ain't safe. So he says, it's that which is essentially infinite, desired to become restricted, to become mugbal, to have a relationship within, and to have a diru within tachtoinim, which is the most fine and unlimited. He says, this is unnatural. An interesting thing in Chumash. How many sentences are dedicated to the description of the creation of the world? How many? The creation of the universe described in how many psukim? Huh? So you have 32 psukim. 31 psukim. My Siberatius. Yeah. How many psukim are dedicated? This is, this is the construction of the whole universe. How many psukim are dedicated to the construction of the Mishkan? <laughs> to the Mishkan. Half of Sefer Shmois. From Truma all the way down. Hundreds and hundreds of psukim. I ask you, how large was the Mishkan? 150 feet by 75 feet. Portable. Sachakal, a portable shtibel. A portable shtibel it was. Fancy, beautiful. Hundreds of psukim. The universe, which is, which is infinite, after 5,000 years we haven't even scratched the surface of the secrets of a single atom. You give me 31 verses, I give you the world. For the mishkan that humans created, 150 feet in a desert, hundreds of psukim, half a chumash. It makes sense. Pshat is as follows. For an infinite God to create a finite universe is nishtazachidish. But for a finite human being to create a home for an infinite God, this is a revolutionary idea. This was the revolution of the Mishkan. That Hashem makes a world, that an infinite God makes a home for finite people to live in. Okay, He's God, He can do it. Give me 31 verses, I give it to you. But that a finite human being should be able to create a structure in which the Ein Soif should dwell, this is a revolution. That from my and from your uh, mortal, weak, frail, vulnerable, moody, fluctuating heart, you can create a home for the Ein Soif. That the Ein Soif should dwell in you. He wants a relationship with you. This is a revolution. It's That he should want it and that you should be able to do it. So what does this create in a person? If you, if you really become aware of this, what does this create of a person? It creates in a person a sensation of Judaism that takes him out of his comfort zone. Out of his box. God went beyond his nature. Ein Soif becomes finite. So what does it do in the person? The exact opposite. The finite becomes ain't safe. Kemoi kenyasa adam ritsoinoili parid minaguf vahateva ladovka boyiz barach shalaik vishalaika darachateva. So this creates in a person the same sense of reciprocity. When I see yeah, that you suspended your whole essence for me, 
not you had an extra hour, you did me a favor. You know, you came to the dinner of my yeshiva and you, you, know, you gave me a $36 check instead of an $18 check. I needed a stickle favor from you, so you did me a favor in your extra time. It's New Year's, you don't go to work, so you did me a favor. When you see that somebody completely goes beyond their teva, be completely beyond their nature, beyond their comfort zone, beyond the very rules of their identity for you, what sensation does it create in you? I want to, I can't ignore you, I'm, I, I, become, I become completely fachapt, I become completely captivated by my relationship with you. His relationship with God is not anymore like water. It's not anymore just calm and serene and relaxed. He can't get enough of it. The dveikus with Hashem, this becomes his whole life. That's the pasuk. It's not about a chiyuv by day. It's a natural union. My life is you. I can't get enough of you. My Judaism is not any more compartmentalized. It's not any more classified. It's not now is Yom Kippur to have a seirudus. Now is davening have a seirudus. The relationship is not any more just stable, consistent, and serene. This is the avakaish. The avakaish is, it has a fire to it. It has a flaker to it. It has a rotsoy to it. In any situation in my life, wherever I am, what I'm searching, with, what I'm searching for above anything else is, I want to be one with you. I want to be connected to you. Valayla, there has to be here the word Valayla on the bottom, they correct. This is a haga, a correction of the Rebbe Rashab. Day and night, I just want your will. He realizes that what was the glory of Hashem in his love to us, he enclosed himself, he limited himself, he restricted himself. So man reciprocates and says, this is what I want to. And through that, through that he lives in complete vacuous with the source, with Hashem. You know, you have sometimes a situation in life where people, I don't know if I should use the word obsessed, but where they become completely consumed with something, right? Soon will be April 15th, and you'll ask the so people who are accountants, right? They, they bring a cot into their offices, and they don't see their wife and their children for four weeks, right? Because they need these clients. What is it for? They need a parnosa. They want the money. They want their ambitions. They want to grow. So they do things. You know, you don't eat for two days. You don't sleep for three days. You just didn't sleep for five days. There's certain situations in life that that they mean so much to us that they evoke within us a response, a hisoirus, a commitment that's not in our comfort zone. And this is the second Ava that Dalti Rebbe is addressing. The first Ava is the foundation. It's the stable, consistent love that God loves you unconditionally no matter what. Ava Sa'ov Laben, that's an Ava Kamayim. That's one consciousness in life. 
And then there's a deeper consciousness in life when one realizes what the drama of creation is. That it's every single moment the Ein Saif saying, oh, I want you. I just want you. You're the most precious thing to me. I want to live in your heart. I want to live in your... I want, a, I want you to become the place that creates a home for truth. For Elikus. I want Dvekas with your identity. I know you're limited. I know you're finite. I know you're small. I know you're mortal. I know you're moody. I know you have issues. I know you have struggles. I know you have ups and downs. But this is where I want to be. In this hearts. In this hearts. There was a Yid who once came to the Rebbe Maharash, the fourth Chabad Rebbe. And he complained that his davening is a shvach. So he's not getting, it's not, his davening is not working for him. So the Rebbe, Rasha, the Rebbe Maharash opened up his kapota and his shirt physically. And he pointed to his heart, his physical heart. And he said, Rachmana Liba Boy. Rachmana Liba Boy. And he said in Yiddish, pointing to his heart, this heart, this heart. And uh, there was an elder chassid who met the seed years later. The, the bren that he used to daven with was amazing. What did the Rebbe tell him? Why did he have to open up his button? What was his point? He could have said, God wants your heart. He was trying to say, no, no, no. This, this heart, with all of its, its maiselach, with all of its issues, with all of its insecurities, with all of its ups and downs, with all of the stuff that's going on in this heart. This is the heart he wants. This is the dear he wants. Huh? Okay. It's this heart too, by the way. It's this heart too. Not only that heart. All the hearts. But that, and this, this, what he told the Jew was, it's about, it's about celebrating. He wants you. So when, a, when, when the Jew really becomes aware of this, and he sees that this is what the whole Torah is, this is what all the mitzvahs are, so this creates a reciprocal response in him as well. That his relationship to Hashem is not just in shul, or it's not just on Shabbos, or it's not just when he's learning. But this becomes, this becomes wherever he is in the world. He's eating, he's drinking, he's making money, he's socializing with people. What's at the core of it? He's searching for oneness. Tveikas with Hashem. The Baal Shem Tev writes, it's a, a Hafladika thing, in Savas HaRivosh, that Baal Shem Tev writes. He asks a question. If a person wants to be Tveikas in oneness with God always, what is this person supposed to do in the bathroom? It's a question of the Baal Shem Tev. Most people are not bothered by that question. Learning he can't. A mitzvah he doesn't do. A favor to somebody he's not doing. So you could say, it's a necessary thing in life, right? It's a necessary thing in life if you don't have this ava, but if you have this ava, where's the dveikas now? So the Baal Shem Tov says, the Baal Shem Tov, and it's very, it's very reflective of the chas, approach of Hasidus. The Baal Shem Tov says, of course there's dveikas right now. Of course, what's dveikas? Dveikas is being mindful every moment that right now, wherever you are, you could be one with Hashem in every situation. And now too, you could be mindful that right now you could be one with Hashem. Why? You're being mafred, toiv, from psoilus. That's the greatest form of dveikas. You're separating the desirable from the undesirable. That's, the great, that's, that's oneness. And that's the point. The point is not, not you going into a... Wherever mo, where, whatever mode you're in, what this Jew is looking for is one rotsen above anything else. And and this 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 fachaptim, 
It's, 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 this is his whole life. This is his passion. He's not looking for anything else. So you'll say, but there's such a big world. There's so many good things in this world. What do you mean you're not looking for anything else? This is the second Av. It's an Avakesh. This is what he wants. Above anything else. And it's like, it's like Shaykha. This is what his mind is filled with. This is what his heart is filled with. This is, that's why said So now let's conclude the last He now comes back to the first questions. This explains the question, the Torah should be in your mouth because he took you out from Mitzrayim with a strong arm. What's the connection? The Gemara says in Menachis Dafyud, whenever it says in Chumash Yad, it's the right arm. Etzba is the right, right finger, right hand. So when it says Biyot Chazaka, it's the right. The right arm represents compassion. It says in Parshas Boy, I will pass through Mitzrayim. Taitches Daltid Ever Pidush Shehevir Almi Doisa. What's part of Avarti Beretz Mitzrayim? Not I will pass through Mitzrayim. Avarti means Shehevir Almi Doisav. He Shehevir Almi Doisav. He went against his Midois. Shehosa Dinim BeMitzrayim. Avarti Beretz Mitzrayim means. I was mavir al midoisai. I went against my emotions. Afal pisha midoisai v'lerachem alaytiv libruyov. Kibiyot chazaka. His nature is rachmanis, and here he exercised judgment on Mitzrayim. This was going against himself. Vahakol machmas avosil Yisrael because of his love to Israel. Kamoshulav bavur avosil shereitzel asas chesedim bnoi koyvish chazdoi v'koyos alachedim amitzayim is bnoi. You have a man, he's a, he's a man, mamish of love. There's nothing, he has no mean bone in his body. But he sees somebody is aggravating his son, is harassing his son, is, is damaging his son. So because of his love to his son, he contains his chesed, and he gets upset at those who anger his son. Here we touch the pasuk. Kibiyot chazaka doesn't mean with a strong arm he punched Mitzrayim. Fakert. Biyot chazaka. He had to exercise restraint on the yad to suppress, to contain his yad yamin, his chesed, in order to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. Just like a loving father who gets upset and exercises penalties against those who aggravate his son. That's what he says. Unnatural. By nature, the tziyad, biyod, which is rachamim. And here he exercises biyod chazaka. What does biyod chazaka mean? He had to like hold down his yad, his rachamim, to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. Shalayal piyateva because of his love to them. Lachain tiyatayrus Hashem b'ficha. Lasis ritzaincha kiritzaynoi. So therefore he did this for you naturally. The reciprocal emotion is in kind. You reciprocate. God suspended Himself to create space for us. So we suspend ourselves to create space for Him. Based on the love. He suspended Himself, His very being, which is infinite, ain't soif, to create space for us. So we suspend our identity to create space for Him. And that's the greatest celebration that we want to have that space, to have that dira, to have that vekas. Laman tiyat teres Hashem b'ficha. Why? Ki biyad chazok yitziach Hashem b'mitzrayim. 
And since all of this originates in his desire for a relationship and his desire is undefined, he always has to be mitzamtzim, always has to restrict the energy that the world should be able to receive it. And this answers the third, the second question. That's why sometimes in Torah it will say Hashem told Moshe. In addition to the question at the beginning of the Maimon, he's now adding another Nekuda. Sometimes there's mitzvahs, Hashem tells Moshe, and we assume that Moshe told it to the people, we don't know. Sometimes it says Moshe told it to the people, and we assume Hashem told it to him. Sometimes it says both. Why is this? Explains the Alter it's all. All based on the capacity of the nation, what they can absorb, based on restricted himself to give the energy that the, the, the audience, the people should be able to absorb. And all is known before him how he has to, how he could be mitzamtzim, the energy restrict energy, they should be able to contain, they should be able to be soivalent. So that's why sometimes it just says Moshe's communication and not his communication to Moshe because that would be that would have that would be too overwhelming. That would be too intense. The opposite of the infinite. In the finite. That's not an easy shidduch. That's not an easy match. Yes. Yes. He gave the whole introduction. Sometimes you don't have at all what Hashem told him. That's at all not being revealed. Although Hashem spoke to him. But that's not that's what he says at the end. He knows when and how um, they, they, they they could they could be itself. So therefore, in conclusion, we have the Ava Kamayim, the love of water, which is the stable, consistent love, non-depending on even on your reactions or your actions, the non-conditional love that Hashem has to every person, like a father loves a child, like a mother loves a child. That's the first level of love, an Ava Kamayim. And then there's a second type of Ava, which is like the dance of the flame which goes up, and then forces itself to come back down, and then rises up and comes down again. And this is the love that comes from the consciousness of what creation is all about, and of what Yiddishkeit is all about, that Hashem suspended His infinity to be with and in the finite, which in the, a, a, a mature and real awareness of it creates a tremendous inspiration in the finite human being, to always go beyond the finite and touch the infinite. Have a wonderful The connection is because all of Torah is that transition from the infinite to the finite, as he keeps on explaining, right? So that's reflected in how Hashem communicates to Moshe, and Moshe communicates to the Jewish people. It's not a seamless flow. Hashem tells them one thing, and then suddenly Moshe is adding new things. That he doesn't explain. That he doesn't explain. He says, The details he doesn't explain. Why here? Other places. We don't have Moshe's made mention of Moshe. Other places we don't have made mention of Hashem. You'll see. It's very interesting in all the mitzvahs. Sometimes you have only Hashem, no Moshe. Only Moshe, no Hashem. Sometimes you have both. Usually the terminology always changes. Here it's very dramatic. He adds like this whole 
this whole presentation before he gets to the point. And the point is that, that the mitzvah essentially is something that's incomprehensible. Because God, you, can you define Hashem? No. So how can you define a mitzvah? How can you define Torah? There's no way. We shouldn't know what a mitzvah is. We shouldn't know what Torah is. Just like you can't define Hashem. It's one with Him. And yet this is the miracle of Torah. That infinity assumed finiteness. Infinity became compressed within finite. And yet it remains Him. It remains infinite. It doesn't really go through a transformation where it loses its original identity. That's why you could learn the same sugi and Gemara a thousand times and know it well. And then tomorrow you'll learn it for a thousand and first time and you'll find something new. What happened? Not that you didn't read it well the first time. You learned it well and you know it. But it's essentially infinite. So even when it assumes a veneer of logical wisdom that I can wrap my brain around it, I never wrap my brain fully around it. The Baal Shem Tov says, Torah Hashem Tmima. What's that Torah Hashem Tmima? In Tehillim, we say Shabbos. Torah Hashem is wholesome, complete. So he teaches as follows. After three and a half thousand years, it was still untouched. Tmima, to give an example, imagine there's a Jewish birthday cake that showed up at a birthday party 3,300 years ago and people have been nibbling on the cake since. You might tell me it's a pretty large cake and there's still some cake left, but to tell me that it's untouched? What's Pshatoyah Hashem Tamima? Jews have been nibbling on the cake for thousands of years and some not only nibbling, but some ate it their whole life. It's untouched. What's Pshatoyah Hashem Tamima? The Pshat is as follows. If uh, you have uh, $1 million in your bank account, and may God help that you should, certainly you, okay? And we nibble every day $1, $1, okay. $1. In the beginning you may not notice a difference, but with every dollar it gets depleted, because a million dollars are made up of singles. If you have $1 billion in your bank account, the car of Mamish... So it won't be noticeable when I nibble at $1, but ultimately... Every day the billion is getting less and less. And if one billion days pass, it will be empty. Because a billion is a large amount, but it's made up of ones. But what happens if you have, theoretically, a bank account with infinite amount of dollars? So you could nibble and nibble and nibble and nibble and nibble, right? And it's, it's, you're not depleting it. And you're not getting any closer to the end. And even if you take away one million and one billion and, and one trillion, you're still not depleting it in any way. And if you take away one, you take away one billion, it makes no difference because it's infinite. That's Pshat Teiris Hashem Tmima. Because Teiris Be'etz and Beligvul, it's Ein Saif. Although it assumes an identity of Gvul, which is, which, is what allows us to want, which is what allows us to learn Chumash and learn Mishnayis and learn Gemara and learn Halacha and learn Kabbalah and learn Chassidus, etc. But essentially it's infinity. So I could nibble and eat and learn and learn and learn and learn and then come back and see a whole new Torah that I never saw. Vaharaya, what do you think Moshe Rabbeinu and the Avis and the Tanoim and the Amiraim are doing 3,000 years in Ganeidim? What are they doing in Ganeidim? They learn Torah. How long can you learn for? I'm asking you. How long can you learn for? How long? We know the literature. Fine, I understand. 90 years is not enough. A thousand, 3,000 years you must get somewhere. And if you have a head like Avraham Avinu. 
But this is the pshat. It's essentially infinite. Ain't soif is infinite. So it's turns Hashem to me more. So you can learn for 5,000 years and you can learn all over again. And it's not that it's a waste. No. Every time it's real. It's a real connection. That's the miracle of Yiddishkeit. The miracle of Yiddishkeit is that the infinite became finite and still remains infinite. No, really, you know the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Maybe you could tell us the story. You know the story of Eitz Hadas, tell me. <laughs> and everyone feels it. You know the story of Eitz Hadas? You know the story of Yosef's brothers throwing him into the pit? You know the story of Yaakov taking the blessings of Esau? You really know it? Even us, every year you learn, if you're sensitive, you have a new hergish, right? A new approach, a new ashkafa. You even see from the levels of the Mepharshim, even from the mountain of the Mepharshim, but even without the Mepharshim, from yourself, of course you know the words that you can't, you're not going to invent new words. But, but what's in the words, the depth of the words, what comes out of the words, the lessons of the words, the infinite applications. You know, somebody once said, how many keys are on a, on a piano? How many keys are on a piano? It's a clown, no? I think around 82 or so, right? Mozart, Beethoven, Bach didn't need to invent new keys in order to display their musical genius. I once said that somebody was saying that in order to make Judaism fresh, we have to change the structures of halacha and then it could be fresh because it's already old. So I told him that Mozart didn't have to invent new keys to be Mozart, to use the same keys and somehow what he did with them was magical. You don't need to invent new keys. Those same keys lend themselves to infinite compositions, right? So it's not if you add a key or not, it's what you see in the key. You know, one person sits down and whatever. And then, you know, Lahavdla Mozart sits down and something else comes out of the same keys. And this is all within human creativity and human genius. Right? Lahavdu, when you're talking about the creation versus the creator, so you have every Pasuk and Chumash, every Mishnah, every Blat Gemara, whatever it may be, every Simon and Tur, and Alvi Halacha and Rambam, and Shulchan Aruch, and Zoyar, and Chsidis, it may be the same words, but what it contains within it is Ein Saif, literally. And that's why he says the full spectrum of Taimei Mitzvahs will never be revealed. Not that we don't know a lot about Mitzvahs. We know plenty a lot, of, plenty about Mitzvahs. But it's still not the full depth of the Mitzvah. There is always the mystery. That's the power of it. Have a wonderful night. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.